Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a post-game version of the Bird Game Blitz. I'm your host, Blake Murphy, joined as always by my co-host, John Venerable. Johnny, how are you doing tonight? We just finished the Cardinals game. Uh, what are your first kind of thoughts on the game from just after it ended a few minutes ago? Well, Blake, thanks for having me again. Uh, great to be here on the Bird Game Blitz. Rapid reaction following uh, the 22-16 to 16 Arizona Cardinal defeat at the hands of the Seahawks. And yeah, it went about uh, as expected, um, you never think you're going to win the turnover battle with Seattle. That's just something they just don't do in terms of, you know, they shoot themselves in the foot with the penalties, and we'll get into that. But they don't turn the ball over. The Cardinals turned the ball over on the very first offensive play they had uh, with the Adrian Peterson fumble. And um, you look what they're uh, able to do offensively or not able to do with regard to the run game and how tremendous, you know, that Seahawk front seven um, at its full strength, and I know that they were missing Cliff Averill. He's out for potentially the season. But Bobby Wagner, Sheldon Richardson, Michael Bennett, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. K.J. Wright. So I'm not surprised that they didn't have much success uh, running the football. But there were plays to be made in the secondary, and unfortunately the Cardinals receivers just didn't come to play. I think that's the biggest story of this game. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on, you know, the, the marvel that is Russell Wilson and his mobility, you know, essentially saving the game for Seattle. But, you know, if the Cardinals receivers, other than Larry Fitzgerald, you know, snag in a couple more passes, this game probably goes down to a 1% uh, possession game in the fourth quarter, and the Cardinals probably have a chance to, to win the game and take the lead. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't come out like that. You really never felt like, even though uh, the Cardinals were playing from behind, it was single digits most of the night that the Cardinals were going to win this game. Um, the, the Seahawks just have been through too many games like this. Um, and really, this was a perfect game to knock them off with their, uh, their confidence shaken after last week's uh, loss to Kirk Cousins and the Washington Redskins, giving up that touchdown with you know under a minute to go and uh, how depleted their defense is with, with all the injuries, and, and we'll touch on that. This was a game where you really could have picked them off. Uh, and again, you suffer your, I believe it's the fourth consecutive loss at the hands of the Seahawks at home. Cardinals haven't defeated the Seattle Seahawks at home since 2012. That was the opener of that season, and that was coincidentally Russell Wilson's first game uh, as a professional football player. And he had an opportunity to win that game on the final drive. So it's been uh, a, a pretty rough go of it for the Cardinals at home against Seattle. But, you know, as far as nationally televised games go, uh, I think that this is um, probably best case scenario when you, when you talk about not winning the game, assuming that DJ Humphreys is okay, um, assuming that some of these injuries aren't, you know, going to affect the 2018 season because that's really what all it's about at this point. Um, but we've seen the Seahawks embarrass the Cardinals on national TV seemingly every season. Um, and so it was nice that, that that didn't happen. But when you're, when you're talking about that being, you know, one of the better options, what are you really saying? So dis disappointing in the, in the receiver play. Uh, defensively, I thought that they did some good things. Um, you know, the Seattle Seahawks can't run the ball uh, outside of a, a long run by Thomas Rawls. I think they did a good, good job of, of stopping the run. Olsen Pierre was fantastic. I think he's somebody, obviously, that you, you want to try to build around uh, in a defensive line rotation right now that doesn't have too many uh, young, um, you know, rotational guys or building blocks to, to, to build around with Kim Dice being a complete non-factor. Um, the linebacking core, you know, Dansby played well on first and second down. Um, and we'll talk about the play of the two rookies, Hassan Reddick and Buda Baker. I thought both played well. This was Reddick's by far his, his best game of the season. Uh, Collinsworth uh, said during the broadcast that he'd leave him at outside linebacker. I'm not so sure about that, but uh, at the same time, I think his, he's interchangeable um, moving forward, but I definitely think he needs to play more. The secondary I thought was very good outside of the, uh, the, the botch play with Doug Baldwin. But again, what can you do at that at that point? You know, the the front seven, you know, needs to do a better job with containment, not falling for the pump fake that was Russell Wilson. So I'm not going to give them too much grief. Um, Tyvon Branch is is likely out for you know a long stretch of time, if not the entire season. That's his. That's been his mo. Uh, he hasn't been able to stay healthy in this league, but when he is healthy, he produces. But I think it, you know, it's just easier because you know, he's not signed next year. You can, you can transition Buda Baker into that role. I think whomever plays that role for the Cardinals usually has pretty good numbers. Rashad Johnson uh, and then Jeremiah Bell the first year. Somebody who's ever playing that free safety, safety kind of hybrid role in, in the Cardinal defense puts up good statistics. It just comes down to the fact that 
are you in position? Do you know what you're supposed to be doing? But you saw uh, Bethe play uh, along with Buda Baker down the stretch. I thought both guys did a, a pretty good job. So all in all, um, not a great game to watch if you're a casual NFL fan from a fantasy perspective. But if you're a fan of these two teams, um, you know, it was one that you could, have, you know, tune in for four quarters and, and see a, a fairly competitive game. But at the same time, one that was filled with potentially season-ending injuries for a Seattle team that uh, had Super Bowl aspirations. So those were my initial thoughts after the game. Yeah, no, just for uh, an update at least for just the initial word from Bruce Arians is they do believe it's a torn ACL for DJ Humphreys, which would be year-ending. It'd be an awful injury. Probably would have to come back in time for camp. Uh, they expect something similar with um, Tyvon Branch and then Ifeani Moma. At least they believe it's a cracked ankle of some sort. So he just came into the Seattle game on three days rest and just got punched in the face. It, it, it's unfortunate, at least, because this is how this team has been all year long. You've seen Carson Palmer go down. You've seen DJ Humphreys go down. You've seen almost every, all of the important players who are kind of the guys you're expecting to be playmakers either haven't stepped up in the case of guys like Kandichi or in case of Tyron Matthew. But you also have just seen that you're not able to really field a competent team just with how many hits you've taken. You don't have the ability to cover up for a lot of these injuries. Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, they at least have enough of a pass rush. They at least have uh, enough of his mobility where you have a, a kind of a slobber knocker like he did tonight, but he still was able to make enough plays to be able to get the Seahawks to, uh, to 22 points. And they still had enough guys who came in in the secondary uh, with that great scheme that they have, with that cover three that they run, even without Richard Sherman, they were able to hold down Arizona. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about at least is just with, how, um, just with the run game for Arizona. You're talking about with early in the season, they were averaging like perhaps one of the worst run averages that you've seen from an NFL team. Uh, they were ranked 32nd in rushing, got to see that bumped up a little bit with the addition of Adrian Peterson. But tonight – you didn't see the 30 carries that some people had wanted or expected. They really weren't able to go anywhere on the ground. Seattle loaded up the box. Uh, once DJ Humphreys went out, you weren't able to really run the ball at all. You weren't even able to really run it before um, when he was gone earlier in the season either. So when you're looking at the Cardinals team and you're looking at what it's going to take for them to have on an offense, you just have to look at the talent right now. and It's just not there. You're not really seeing them to have the guys who are able to make – the plays in the run game well enough. They averaged 1.4 yards per carry. That means Adrian Peterson had only 29 yards. He, he carried the ball 21 times. You look at the week before where he carried it for 37, and got about 157 yards. You're like, okay, so it's about like, you know, three to four yards of carry. So it's not even that Seattle's um, run defense was that stifling. They've still been susceptible to the run at times this year. It's just this is a team that's broken fundamentally on offense. Their identity is still in the passing game. And as a result, you're still going to have guys who misfire. Let's talk at least a little uh, about um, just with Richard Sermon and the Seahawks' chances because the Cardinals are going to play them again some point uh, later this season. You're going to look at it about week 17, so you're going to be looking at already no Richard Sherman. You'll have no Cliff Averill. The offensive line has already taken hits. Johnny, do you think that this is a Seahawks team that even has a chance of catching the Rams? Could we be seeing kind of like a, a backup bowl of sorts in week 17 when we, the Cardinals replay the Seahawks? No, I think the Seahawks will have something to play for, whether it be for the division or a wild card spot. I think the Rams are going to cool off eventually and, and lose a couple games. Uh, I do think the Rams are going to win the division. I think the Rams have the most talent on paper, especially you know offensively. They've got the best offensive line. Uh, I like their receiving core, and then they obviously have Todd Gurley, and then you know Jared Goff is playing uh, at a high level right now, and his confidence is, is only going to get – you know bigger and better each week with McVeigh. So uh, I do think that they are uh, the favorites in the division. I would pick them to win the division as of now, but um, we'll be interesting to see if the Seahawks can transition to uh, an offensive team, because right now, you know, that Richard Sherman's out for the year. I just read on my phone, Cam Chancellor was taken off on a cart to end the game. Um, so his status is unclear. Um, Earl Thomas did not play tonight. You know, that clearly affects what they want to do. Um, you know, they'll probably have to lean on the front seven, which, again, is, is phenomenal. But, you know, for a team that has uh, essentially Doug Baldwin, uh, Tyler Lockett, and some, some quality, quality offensive skill players like Jimmy Graham on offense, but no offensive line uh, to speak of. With Dwayne Brown, their, their big trade acquisition, getting hurt again tonight. Um, he was hurt again 
coming into this season, held out, um, has had injuries in the past, is on the other side of 30, and then the Seahawks gave up a second-round pick. That's a high price tag for a guy who's had injury concerns, but they were hoping that he would be the final piece of a Super Bowl run. Now you see that sometimes those moves don't pay off. Um, you know, again, they've got great skill players, underrated skill players in the passing game, but no run game to speak of. Um, Thomas Rawls is probably their best back at this point, but you know, he had 10 carries for 27 yards and he had a long of 23. So the rest of those carries obviously went for negative yards or, you know, right around no yards. So it's Very interesting. This game, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, I do think the Seahawks find a way to get to 10 wins. They're six and three. Now I think 10 wins is going to be good enough to get them in the playoffs. Uh, I, I think they have to play the Niners again. I think they'll probably beat the Rams uh, in their building. I think they'll beat the Cardinals when the Cardinals come to their building. So there's three ruins right there. And then they just have to win one more out of conference. So um, I do not think that they're a Super Bowl team anymore with the loss of Sherman. That's a huge loss. Um, again, they don't have that prototypical edge rusher in their front seven that can get you, you know, like a Chandler Jones, 10 to 15 sacks, like a Von Miller, somebody like that. Uh, very few teams do, but those kind of teams are able to hide other players in their secondary. Uh, the Seahawks have always relied on their secondary. And Michael Bannett's been great up front. And we've talked about Bobby Wagner, how great he's playing. He's probably defensive player of the year or in the running for that, um, for that award. But at the same time, you know, you lose a Richard Sherman. Uh, you know, I don't appreciate a lot of his antics. I think he's overrated in, in some regard, but he's still a top five corner in this league. Um, and we've seen this, what this defense is when they lose the Legion of Boom or, or parts of it, and they're very susceptible to the deep ball. We saw what Kirk Cousins did to them last week without Earl Thomas. Now you're without Earl Thomas, potentially Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman. Um, that's not a Super Bowl team. This is a team that um, is probably going to be a playoff team, but at the same time, no more than that. They're not better than Philadelphia. They may not be better than Dallas. Um, I think there's two teams probably in the South that are better than them in Carolina and New Orleans with, with the way they're playing right now. And I do think the Rams win the division. So um, it's interesting. The Seahawks could be getting old fast, um, but they have Russell Wilson, and that's all that matters in the end and his play. Uh, that that won that them the game tonight, but just you know when you're able to lean on a quarterback that can do the things that he does, it's kind of the glue that keeps the franchise together. Cardinals are the opposite. You know they they rely on you know old uh, veteran players, um, you know like a Larry Fitzgerald, but he doesn't play the most position most important position on the field. Um, he makes the quarterback better, but he can't make everybody else better offensively like Russell can. So um, it's unfortunate the Cardinals are four and five, probably heading in the wrong direction. I think they'll probably end up around six and 10, but yeah. Uh, Seattle to me blew their Super Bowl chance tonight by playing Sherman. He had the Achilles before tonight. It was sore. I think they should have sat him. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot about uh, the fact that, you know, Seahawks players despise Thursday night games. Cardinals had to play this game too, lost their left tackle for the year. Uh, I doubt you'll hear anything from, from Cardinal players uh, and they lost this game, but you know, the, the Seahawks are brash and, and, um, they speak their minds. So, um, but the NFL makes too much money with these Thursday night games. You're not going to touch Friday night uh, with high school football and Saturday night belongs to college football until late into the season. So Thursday is really your only option. Um, if you're thinking about, you know, parlaying it from the following Sunday, Monday. So it's interesting. Uh, going to be interesting to watch the Seahawks team moving forward if they're able to form a new identity defensively. For sure, yeah, and that's been um, uh, we've already hearing hearing things from Seahawks fans about the Thursday night game, and it's just brutal because you see so many of these either injuries and so many sloppy games. It's just it's killing the NFL product. This, and then you talk about the Cardinals London game in which you lost your starting quarterback for the year as well, in addition to getting blown out. And you're just looking and seeing where the league is going to be moving forward. You're just going to at some point have to kind of adapt and adjust. And uh, Seahawks at least are a team that's been able to do that. One thing I do at least want to touch on at least is just uh, Drew Stanton's play. Uh, we have at least had discussions about with whether Stanton should be starting, whether Gabbert's the right guy. Let's talk about kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly of Drew Stanton. First, let's go over the good. The good was if you look at Drew Stanton's play, he had a lot of well-timed, well well-placed throws. Uh, you're talking about extending the play with his legs. You're talking about uh, just being able to manage the offense well, despite the fact that he didn't have a run game to rely on. 
Uh, he threw for what probably should have been at least two or three touchdowns in the game. Uh, he had two drops that were a part of it. Uh, and then he did not actually end up turning the ball over, which is one of those things that's pretty impressive, at least overall, when you consider that even though the Legion of Boom was somewhat depleted, he still has managed to protect the ball well. Uh, I think it's in the case with Drew Stanton where if you're looking at with him and Gabbert, you have to wonder at some point if the Cardinals are going to see Blaine Gabbert just to see what he's got. I still think that at this point, when you're looking at this being a lost season, you're talking about having to have Wetzel play at left tackle the rest of the way. He's going to be taking so many hits. I don't believe you're going to be able to get a an actual glimpse of what Blaine Gabbert's going to be just because it's a bad situation. Uh, but Drew did have an ankle injury tonight, at least. He was a little bit gimpy running on and off the field. It is possible you're going to see Gabbert anyway. Uh, let's talk a little bit then about the main reason, which was I think that we would put on for why the Cardinals lost, which is the drops. Just there was at least no less than seven drops. It affected everyone. Fitzgerald had a drop. It was more just uh, Jermaine Gresham had a drop. J.J. Nelson dropped a touchdown. I believe Nelson had three drops at least tonight. John Brown dropped a pass. Jerron Brown had a drop. What's the case with all these drops? And what does Arizona need to do at least with the wide receivers? Do you think it's them having to get their own players better? Do you think it's going to have to take kind of a a restart for that? Where is this team going to go if Larry Fitzgerald's going to call it a – career speaking of which Fitzgerald did get his 15,000 receiving yards tonight he's on track to still finish that number three wide receiver of all time but behind him there's just really not anyone there that's stepped up yeah it's disappointing um we went into the 2016 season thinking we had one of the deeper wide receiving uh crops in the NFL and and look what's left of it uh sitting here November 9th uh, of 2017 it looks like there is nobody in this unit that you would count on moving forward assuming Larry Fitzgerald retires um, JJ Nelson I thought finished the season exceptionally well last year uh, again he has been grossly grossly underperforming this year again like you said three drops tonight he was targeted four times he has had one catch for 17 yards and three drops one of which was a touchdown that probably could have changed the the course of the game John Brown um, underwhelming with, with two catches for 27 yards, multiple drops. Um, Jermaine Gresham, again, targeted, you know, seven times, caught five of his balls, but those other two were probably the one was the big drop for a touchdown that the Cardinals did end up scoring. But, um, yeah, it's a unit with just a lot of guys. A lot of You hear that term, just a guy, a lot of jags in this receiving core. And, again, you see that third-round pick, Chad Williams, that's inactive every week. Uh, at some point, we got to see what this young man can do because the scouting report was that, you know, big, physical, can break tackles, um, pretty good hands, but at the same time, he's not that prototypical Bruce uh, Arians burner receiver, uh, more of kind of a possession receiver, although he did run a fast 40. He's not J.J. Nelson or John Brown fast, but I think at this point, those of us who were hoping that Brown and Nelson would turn into, you know, the Emmanuel Sanders, Antonio Browns of the world. That's just not going to happen. Part of that is just the subpar quarterback play that the Cardinals have had. Uh, I think Nelson could still be a factor uh, with a with an above-average quarterback. You saw that he was open two or three times deep, and they were not, unable to hit him. It just shows you what quality quarterback like a Deshaun Watson can come in and just light teams up with, you know, receiving cores that we haven't seen be productive in a year and a half with – you know, Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins were, were were nobodies last year. They were essentially put in no man's land by Brock Osweiler, and Deshaun Watson comes in this year, and their their play has been phenomenal. Um, the quarterback changes everything. So, again, uh, it's a need, absolutely. It's going to be a unit that probably we won't recognize a lot of the names this time next year. That's probably a good thing. But, again, in terms of the priority, this offense needs – probably I would say eight new starters going into next season. That might be kind. Um, And receiver to me is always down on the list because I believe you build your team from the inside out. Uh, They've got David Johnson. I wouldn't play David the rest of the year. I don't think there's any use for it. Um, And, you know, I was hoping that you'd be able to lean on DJ Humphreys uh, as a building block. And, you know, Aaron said in the press conference, it's a shame because he was playing fantastic and he was, but again, just haven't seen enough of him yet to be able to cement him as that franchise left tackle. So again, where does tight end rank? Where does receiver rank? Their needs, absolutely. But at the same time, with the amount of resources the Cardinals are going to have to probably put into hopefully the quarterback of the future, you know, potentially two new offensive guards, uh, a right tackle at the at the worst next year, 
um, you know, receiver could be pushed down the list until 2019, 2020. And you might have to try to find some cheap veterans in free agency to get by with a potential rookie quarterback. So it's unfortunate. You'd like to see JJ emerge in the second half. John Brown shows some flashes where you're able to extend him. Uh, it's just not happening right now. And, and they let the team down tonight. There's no doubt about it. This is a, this is a, again, a, a winnable game. If uh, guys were to step up and help out Blaine Gabbert, um, you know, we talked about his numbers. He had, you know, 47 attempts, 24 completions. I, I, I counted six, seven drops. So, and uh, he had 273 uh, yards. So, again, he's over 300 yards easily, probably over 350 yards easily with a lot of those completions that added in there. His passer rating probably is in, in the upper 80s. That, that's a great game, especially against this defense for Drew Stanton. So, it's unfortunate. And you think about it, he did all that without a running game. Uh, with a running game that averaged 1.4 yards per carry. So um, receiving outside of Larry Fitzgerald, underwhelming to say the least. And I don't know how you correct it moving forward. I think it's, I think it's a talent problem, and I think part of it is a, a quarterback problem. But tonight, I'm not going to put it all on Drew. Yeah, I definitely agree there. Uh, let's talk about the team moving forward. You've got the uh, Houston Texans game coming up with Tom Savage. That's just going to be a brutal game offensively when you're talking about um, just that. Uh, Cardinals are also going to get some extra rest at least, but it's kind of hard to basically say if the extra rest is going to mean something when you've had such a uh, disappointing loss such as this where it came in very hyped up and ready to go and you just played like how this team has played for most of the 2016 season. I will say that their defense has definitely improved um, just because you're talking about how you, at least even though Seattle's offense is bad, you still didn't give up a ton of the different big plays. Tremont Williams, despite his age, has played well. Uh, you're talking about how Doug Baldwin really wasn't let go outside of just a, a couple of blown coverages. And two touchdowns to Jimmy Graham. I'm not sure why they decided to put the say in one-on-one -on -one coverage against him. Earlier, I know with Todd Bowles, they would actually bracket guys like him or Calvin Johnson. They would put two players on him. Uh, we just have not seen some of the different creativity, at least for that one. I think the defense, you got to see a little bit of the flash tonight, and that's kind of what we're going to move to next, talking about the two guys who flashed the most. That's going to be Buda Baker and Hassan Reddick. Uh, Hassan Reddick had, as you said earlier, his best game as a Cardinal. You got to see him flying around using his speed. Uh, he was able to make uh, disruption in pass game by putting some pressure on Russell Wilson. Uh, you even got to at least see him in the run game be able to make some uh, just very athletic plays, part of the reason why Arizona took him a pick 13 overall. I agree with you that you're not going to want to play him at outside linebacker. I, I think that it's not that he's a bit small for that, but you've already got established guys like Marcus Golden and Chandler Jones there, and you want to use his athleticism. Uh, with that A-gap scheme, and you can even bring him off the edge, very similar to how the Cardinals use Daryl Washington. And Buda Baker, he's kind of your guy now. Uh, you're going to be moving ahead with him because you're assuming Tyvon Branch is probably out with an ACL injury. He's going to get a lot more playing time now. He was already in line for playing time. Had a dropped interception earlier in the game, which, of course, has been an issue that he's had back to college. If he can just hold on to some of those balls, he'll be able to see some, uh, some turnovers there. But uh, what were your thoughts, at least, on how the rookies performed tonight, and what do you think we can expect from them going forward? Yeah, I thought both rookies played well, and coincidentally, it's because their playing time increased. Uh, Buddha especially has shown flashes the last couple of weeks on special teams. We know the abilities there. Uh, he's a phenomenal tackle tackler on special teams. Uh, he led the team in tackles tonight with uh, eight solo tackles. He had a pass defended. Um, again, um, he'll fill in for Tyvon Branch, I think, and he'll do just fine. He doesn't have the length, but his instincts, I think, are superior, and um, he's just a better football player. Uh, it's why the Cardinals traded up uh, to get him. Uh, I think it was ridiculous to not be playing him up until this point now, especially when you have the defensive struggles that you've had. I know he got embarrassed in the Philadelphia game. You got to take your lumps as a rookie. And for a team that right now is thinking about 2018, uh, get these guys as much playing time as possible. Osim Pierre, that, that, is, that is probably the underlying story of this game. The fact that he looks like he could be a real player and he got uh, starting snaps tonight and, and looked phenomenal. A sack, two tackles for loss. I know he's not a rookie, but the Cardinals essentially stashed him uh, and were able to uh, bring him along slowly. And he'll be, as a, I believe, a restricted free agent. They want to keep him around. And then, yeah, Hassan Reddick, um, the speed is there. It's legit 4-5, maybe even 4-4 speed at, at linebacker. I think it's too enticing to think about a linebacking core of Reddick and, and uh, Dayon Buchanan 
uh, inside and then Golden when he's healthy and Chandler Jones. Uh, Dan Buchanan, by the way, is playing some good football as well. So 2018 when all four of those guys are, are rocking and rolling at, at linebacker in the 3-4, uh, could be with a different defensive coordinator. Uh, I think the defense is probably going to be better off for it. This season, it's just about getting experience, playing a lot uh, over the la- last eight games of the season. And uh, it was great to see both of those guys contribute from a rookie class that's been quiet up until this point. Uh, no day three picks I, I will foresee will play this year, uh, assuming that um, TJ Logan is not brought back from IR. We will see. Um, but Will Holden, some of these other guys, Rudy Ford, uh, I don't I don't think we'll see the field at, at any point this year. Maybe Rudy Ford, assuming that, you know, we're, we're so far out of it, you want to see what he has late in the season. But uh, it's unfortunate that the Cardinals weren't able to, to score any more starters out of that class yet um, because of, think about where they were picking uh, the upper echelon, uh, echelon of each round. Uh, it would be great to to insert some youth in there. I know people get excited about when Frosty Rucker makes a play or Corey Peters makes a play or Bethay or some of these older guys. But you got to think about these guys aren't going to be around in 2018. It's going to be a different team, and you want to make sure that the young, the young fellas under contract this team's going to build around are getting the necessary snaps. One of the things that I you know despise the most is when you're having a lost season like the Cardinals have, and we've talked about it at the end at the quarterback position, you're wasting snaps on veteran players that aren't going to be around. And it's not like the Cardinals are in Niner territory or Brown territory where they're, they're just trying to get a win for morale's sake to keep out of the history books. The Cardinals have four wins this season. They're probably lucky to have those four wins. Now it's time to see what some of these young guys can do. Um, and I want to see Chad Williams active. Again, if, if TJ Logan can come back off the IR, if he's healthy, I would bring him back and let him man the special teams going into next year. Uh, the return game, that is. Uh, because you know Carson's not going to come back, and the guys that are that are injured tonight, uh, the three individuals that we talked about, you know, I all designated for return. That doesn't, you know, they're not factored in on that as well. So, uh, the rookies that they need to play, we need to see what they have, um, because right now you're just evaluating people for 2018. They won't say that, uh, and I expect them to be competitive against a Houston team that looks completely different with, you know, Tom Savage. But at the same time, the young guys they need to play. Definitely agree. Uh, let's move on to talk about the one area that seems every single week we're always coming in and talking just about how terrible uh, the special teams of the Cardinals is. There's always at least a big play that's missed. There's always at least something that's screwed up. There's always something where you're just scratching your head over what kind of coaching are these guys getting and how it is in the world that you're not actually seeing any type of responsibility given out for Amos Jones. This game you had a uh, none of the field goals were missed by the Cardinals. None of the field goals are missed by the Seahawks, despite Blair Walsh last week. But you still had an extra point miss, uh, which, you know, for those degenerates out there, at least who are gambling on the game, Vegas definitely won some money there. But you're missing an extra point that gets blocked just from a player off the edge. You're either not seeing what Seattle did last year in this game, where they blocked your extra points and blocked your field goal attempts. You're just not being able to have the ability to fix whatever these problems are and even to make matters worse you have a chance you know you kick the field goal you have a chance to be able to at least get back in with a touchdown to tie the game at eight points and no one out there thought that the Cardinals were going to get back in the game no one thought that the Cardinals had a chance for that one no one expected them to get the onside kick they have a penalty on the first onside kick a player either jumps off sides they try a little tricky pass that either wasn't worked well on during the week or they just had not executed it well it's just come down to the point where on one hand you look at there's just not either the talent on special teams, perhaps that's part of it, but at some point you can't just look at having different players each year, year in, year out, and just having so much pathetic play on special teams. What's kind of going to be the case with Amos Jones? Because right now with Cardinals fans, I don't think anyone expects there to be any type of repercussions for him, at least not till the end of the season. And Bruce Arians has been sticking by his man, and that's just been a – kind of a travesty because you're now looking at games where you could argue that the special teams cost Arizona in this game just as much as the receivers drops did. Uh, what are some of your thoughts about that with um, Jones before we talk a little bit about uh, some new news that just kind of flashed on the timeline? Yeah. I mean, you think about the fact that an, another special team blunder, that being the safety gave them two points and, and otherwise this is a probably a two point game or a three point game late, you know, into the fourth quarter. Uh, had they made the extra point and had they not given up that safety, 
I believe it's 20 to 17. Uh, not that it may not have mattered at the end of the day, but that's still a field goal uh, that, that keeps you in it if they were to, you know, get the onside kick. But uh, you always feel like you're at a disadvantage with special teams. You're always praying that the return units don't um, shoot themselves in the foot like they did tonight. Uh, I thought, coincidentally, that Kerwin did a nice job returning the ball in the second half, probably lit a fire under him after that uh, the incident where he – you know, fair caught it or attempted to return it. I can't remember which at the two uh, that led to the safety, but you know, it's going to be a scenario in which when Bruce retires after the season, which I fully expect him to do, um, Amos will be gone with the rest of the staff. Um, If Bruce is somehow retained, I think they're going to have a conversation that for the fourth consecutive year, uh, they've underachieved special teams. They've, they've invested resources. They've invested money. Uh, and I know that, you know, Amos isn't going out there and missing field goals, but at the same time, you have to have your unit ready to go. And when you're having extra points blocked with, you know, 20, 30 seconds left in a game, that's on you for not having your guys uh, in positions to, to be successful and make an extra point. Um, it seems like we're the only NFL team that routinely misses extra points, that routinely misses chip shot field goals, that has blunders after blunders after blunders on, on the return units. Um, again, you always feel like you're up to, up against it when you're playing a team like Seattle uh, and like the St. Louis Rams who dominate special teams and then have suffocating defenses and the Cardinals are so inept right now offensively, it's just a recipe for disaster. And that's how these games can get out of control quickly. Uh, and so, again, I think it's fortunate that the, the, that the score ended up as close as it was uh, based on some of these previous games that they played in and how poorly that they've been on special teams. So, I, I, I see a scenario in which Amos just won't have his contract renewed because uh, none of the current coaching uh, staff will be considered for, you know, Bruce's replacement and whomever they hire is going to want, you know, their own guys, thankfully. And so uh, I, I would imagine we only have, you know, seven more weeks of Amos Jones to deal with. And uh, yeah, I, I would expect he'll cost us probably about four or five of those games with the special teams alone. So it's a comedy of errors. Like I wrote on Twitter late, in this game that you just you every week there's something new to, to laugh about when it comes to this unit, whether it's a blocked punt, a blocked field goal. Um, the, the bills game comes to mind from last year. I mean, anytime you're, you're, you're garnering some momentum in a game like the Cardinals do uh, it just kills you with, with the ineptitude of their special teams. Now I will say Phil Dawson has been tremendous that uh, that is hopefully somebody that they're able to not Phil Dawson. I'm sorry. Andy Lee has been tremendous. That's hopefully somebody They'll be able to keep around going into next year. He averaged 46 yards a punt tonight. But, again, if you're just following the team now, where the Cardinals' punting situation was the last handful of years, I mean, they'd be lucky to average 40 yards a punt maybe. And uh, Andy has consistently been getting toward the, the, high, the, the mid to high 40s every week. So does a nice job getting balls inside the 20. Uh, I'm looking for silver linings here, as you can see. But he's been just a tremendous player for them and probably could have, you know, secured uh, a few more victories in years prior. And now it's kind of going to waste um, like a lot of the teams Andy's been on. So yeah, Amos Jones, seven more weeks, my friend. (laughs) Those seven weeks can't come soon enough. (laughs) All right. Uh, One thing that kind of flashed down, at least in the timeline was a tweet that just showed up recently that I think is worth discussing uh, partially because it comes from former Cardinal Chris Johnson. Uh, he sent out using the tweet extender, which I'm, I'm not sure why. Twitter is at 280 tweets now. He could have fit it, but whatever, to each their own. Uh, he tweeted out, I thought that as the front office of a team, you're supposed to do things to make your team better, fix the problem to give your team the best chance to win. 21 carriers for 29 yards and getting your number one QB hurt makes me wonder if you're really trying to win. Like who making these decisions? You find out the problem and fix it or else you will get the same results. Whew. Wow. All right. Uh, that is quite the indictment of Steve Keim there. And just with the front office, it's talking about, I think we've tied in and talked about special teams, but he's talking more just about the lack of ability to find guys on the offensive line um, with Palmer getting hurt, just all these issues that the Cardinals have had with Steve Keim and with the coaching on the offensive line. What are some of your thoughts, at least for that, just with, uh, with Chris Johnson? Do you think that he's right about that? Do you think that he's a little bit off and things a little more complicated than that? What are some of your thoughts there? And then I'll share some of my thoughts that I have on this too. Well, he's not wrong, um, but I think a lot of it stems from, you know, his frustrations with being let go and assuming that he can produce 
uh, behind a, a decent offensive line. If that was the case, another team would have picked him up by now. But, no, he, he's right on with his statement. Uh, part of it is, too, is the Cardinals philosophically, offensively. They use a lot of five- to seven-step drops. They're, they're very traditional. As you know, they use a downfield passing attack, which requires a lot of slow-moving plays, and their quarterbacks are immobile. Uh, and so you're going to get your quarterbacks hurt when they're older and immobile, like Carson Palmer, like Stanton's been in the past. Um, they've lost quarterbacks for the season because of their uh, you know, inability to make plays outside the pocket, get the ball released quickly because of the offense that they run. And then, again, Steve, we've talked about it, has made investments on the offensive line. For whatever reason, they haven't pan out, mostly due to injuries. Uh, Jonathan Cooper, Mike Upati hasn't been able to stay healthy. D.J. Humphreys can't stay healthy now. Uh, Jared Valdir is probably their most consistent offensive lineman that, that Steve Kynes brought in. He had to transition to a new position this year. They have not been able to find the center of the future since Steve has taken over. They've used journeymen's at that position, uh, partially because they're working with veteran quarterbacks. That's probably something Bruce prefers. Uh, so, again, they haven't been able to develop any young quality offensive linemen, but that's that's half of the NFL right now. So I'm not going to give Steve too much grief. He's invested picks in, into those units. They just haven't panned out for whatever reason. Again, a lot of that's injury-based, and I think it's sour grapes for Chris because he was cut in favor of Adrian, who's clearly you know a superior player. Um, Chris you know, was having trouble making just the simplest of, of cuts and reads within the, the line of scrimmage. Um, Adrian is making people miss regularly. And last week, uh, the majority of his yards came after contact against San Francisco. You know, Chris Johnson's not doing that. So it's easy to rip on Adrian, or excuse me, rip on the offensive line in a game against probably the best front seven or one of them in all football. But at the same time, um, it's a product of your environment. It's a product of the fact that the Cardinals play in a physical division with the Rams and the Seahawks. And uh, they, they use a traditional offense with – with immobile old quarterbacks, and that's what happens. And so they're not dynamic. They have uh, very, um, very, very few, or they have a lot of limitations when it comes to the uh, the fact that you know their quarterbacks can't move, and then their offensive line is average. They don't have Dallas's or Philadelphia or Oakland's offensive line uh, where they can you know sling forty or fifty passes a game and not be touched uh, like some of these other quarterbacks have. And those teams have mobile QBs, so. Uh, it's it's an area that they're going to have to continue to address until it gets right. And part of that, too, is you've seen what Stanton and, and a little bit of his mobility is able to do. And, um, you know, he's played two games for the Cardinals against two decent front sevens. I know San Francisco had some injuries, but got some quality players in their front seven. Wasn't sacked last week, was was only sacked twice this week. So you've, you've seen what a guy who can move a little bit can do. Uh, you know, I wonder how many times Carson would have been sacked. Uh, I know he would have hit some of these throws that Stanton mm-hmm. would, would have uh, couldn't have made, but how many of these plays uh, would he have been able to make outside the pocket? Very few, I would imagine. So understand where Chris is coming from. Uh, he's not wrong in his assessment. It's easy to pile on after a loss like this, but again, it's probably more sour grapes, if anything. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because when you're, if, let's say if you flip the script and you talked about where, let's say the Arizona did score those two touchdowns and does end up beating Seattle. Uh, let's say that, you know, Russell Wilson, whatever kind of concussion test, I guess you can use quotation marks of that concussion test that he had after that one hit that he took uh, later in the, I believe it was the third quarter. You could say that the 21 carries for 29 yards, getting a quarterback hurt, wondering about fixing the problems. That just describes the Seattle Seahawks too. They're having the same type of offensive problems. They're having guys who are getting hurt left and right on their offensive line. It's just, it's one of those things where we need to accept that in the NFL with where it currently is right now, it's just hard. Guys are just getting hurt a lot more, whether it's the lack of practice time or just with how it is. It's, it's just rough. No team has really been devoid of injuries. You've got guys like Aaron Rodgers and other people down. And it's just, that's part of where the NFL is. That's part of where that mobility is uh, such a huge factor. We're looking at Drew Stanton today. You know, he had took two sacks, and both those sacks were on Wetzel getting bull rushed because he didn't have DJ Humphreys healthy. And other than that, Stanton would have gotten through the game with a couple of big hits on him, but he would have been clean without any sacks. Wilson took five sacks. So you're going to take a look at how that mobility and how huge of a factor it is for a quarterback. That's one of those areas where Carson Palmer, God bless him, he's the guy who's gone you know, 3-2 and a should have won against the Seahawks last year and about this time on their Sunday night game. But it's just an area where the NFL has changed and it's moved by. The Seahawks are kind of in the middle of having to figure out how to catch up on that because they chose to pay their defense and as a result their 
offensive line has been depleted. They're, they've got kind of some different directions to turn. They're probably going to end up in a similar situation like I know you talked earlier about with the Falcons game with how they're going to end up, um, you know, just really struggling. Last year they lost, they got blown up by the Falcons in the playoffs. I think that's the, that's the same type of Seahawks team that's here. And it's the same 2016 Cardinals team you're seeing now. It's just a little bit different now since you don't have David Johnson. Uh, moving on to one thing, let's talk just a little bit about the future uh, with the Cardinals. I mean, you've already lost guys like Alex Boone. You've lost, um, you know, Evan Bame's been benched for Watford. Beldier struggled for a few weeks at right tackle. This offense is to basically be rebuilt. What should the Cardinals' direction be for here for the rest of the season? And what are some of the needs that they have moving forward? Well, this will kind of be our last area, I think, that we'll uh, wrap up with tonight before we talk about the Texans game uh, next week. Sure, yeah. I think the, the area – would be just to see what you have in some of these younger draft picks. If you can afford to, to trot out, you know, like a, a Will Holden late in the season, just to see what he has. You know, I wonder though, is he physically capable of, of playing in an NFL game at this point being, you know, a, I, I believe he was a six round pick uh, out of a small school physically. Can he hold up? Uh, I thought Wetzel did a decent job tonight at left tackle, all things considered. And again, we talk about uh, the mobility of Stanton helps him more than, with Carson, but you know, you got to see what you have in Chad Williams. You got to see what you have in Will Holden. You got to see what you have in TJ Logan. Uh, some of these young guys, so you can get excited and, and hopefully find roles for them in 2018. You don't want to go into next year and not know what you have in some of these guys. And that's the toughest part about tonight and the DJ Humphreys injury is, you know, you're looking at lengthy rehab stint. That's going to begin probably, you know, sometime next year after surgery and swelling goes down, you're not going to have a left tackle all training camp. Uh, your right tackle probably is going to be released uh, to save you a decent amount of money in Jared Valdir. So you're going to need two tackles just to get through training camp. Uh, Mike Upati probably won't be back. Earl Watford's not the long-term solution. There's an argument to be made. You're going to have to replace five starters, at least up front, uh, to start camp next year on the offensive line until DJ Humphreys comes back. I mean, it's going to be a lot of work for Steve Kime. And so that's the number one thing is I would try to get a look at, at the rookies. And then at some point, if you can get Blaine Gabbert a couple starts, great. But again, I don't know how much that does for you. I think if you were going to play Blaine, you would have needed to play Blaine against uh, San Francisco and given him the reins to this to this team for the rest of the year and said, Hey, we know what we have in Drew. He's, he's a quality quarterback as a backup, but you know, we think Blaine can, can do some good things for us, spin it that way. Uh, now I think at this point, you know, Drew's playing well enough that he's not going to lose this job. Uh, you can't throw Blaine, you know, to the fire at Seattle late in the season. That's not fair to him. You know, God only knows what this team's going to look like late in the season with the injuries that are mounting. So it's frustrating on the surface because you know, you want to have success for Fitzgerald and some of these other guys, Peterson, but at the same time, you got to really start assessing what could be a completely different team in 2018. Uh, I talked about it earlier. You're going to need probably eight new starters um, on offense, counting your franchise quarterback. And depending on who's running this team, I'm assuming it's going to be an offensive-minded coach, cr fingers crossed. This offense could look and should look completely different because it's time to evolve. It's time to catch up to the rest of the league and to be more creative offensively. And I love Bruce Arians as a head coach, but Bruce Arians is a play caller. It just hasn't worked out, you know, for the last couple of years in 2016 and 2017. Part of that's due to personnel injuries, but part of that is due to an unwillingness to adapt and change to what the NFL is going towards. With the collective bargaining agreement, the way that it is, the offensive linemen just aren't capable of producing at a high level like they once were, or certainly not in the early stages of their career. So you need a quarterback that can move a little bit. You need to get away from the, the, the deep passing game, you know, as consistently as you do, you know, quick passes, quick throws, quick screens, um, especially for a young quarterback would do wonders for, you know, his confidence. So I think that, you know, moving forward at the end of this year, um, you're going to have to reevaluate everything. And again, I just, it's just so hard for me to fathom Bruce Arians returning to this team because of all the question marks that you have, um, I just, I don't see it happening. And I think that, you know, he and Larry and Carson will all hang it up together and you're able, you're going to be able to start fresh, at least offensively. It's going to be a little bit of, you know, a little bit of assurance that Kime's going to be able to go out and get the quarterback he wants uh, to match up with his new, you know, I would assume offensive head coach. So not a whole lot you can do now though. 
Yeah, for sure. No, I, I think I agree with you. And I think tonight's just evidence of this is a team that probably next year, even though you hate to say it, this just might be a team that might be better without Bruce Arians next year because if having Bruce Arians next year means you're going to bring back James Betcher, who there's been some concern that the secondary hasn't been able to hold up, and that's why they're playing so much zone. They played a lot more man tonight with Tremont Williams having an excellent game in coverage, but you're just going to start again probably at cornerback two for next year. I think that now is the time if I had to say what the Cardinals should do is I think Steve Kime needs to just man up admit that he's been wrong trying to get by on stuff. He needs to go ahead and pay a second cornerback, whether that means having to restructure or see whatever happens with Tyron Matthew. We'll have to wait for the offseason for that. But that's just an area that has been unacceptable. And the fact that you're having to rely on a 34-year-old corner and play a multitude of zone. It just shows that, uh, as you talked about earlier, I believe, uh, on Twitter, you mentioned that uh, it was reported that every single Cardinals secondary player, at least the safeties we know for sure, were uh, for sale during the draft. Uh, the draft, uh, Not the draft, excuse me, the trade deadline. That's correct, yep. Yep. So this is just one of those parts where this might be a team that Steve Kime already knows is on the brink of having to kind of go through this full rebuild. This is a team that is potentially has the chance to – make a strong comeback next year. They've got the players on defense. Uh, they've got the guys. They just need to go ahead and rebuild the offense. Um, I think that you have to go ahead and you have to blow up the ship. You're going to end up seeing probably guys like Palmer leave, Fitzgerald at least. You're most likely assuming this is his last year. Even if Palmer comes back, it'll be obvious that he's going to be more in a preparing the next starter role versus actually trying to compete. If he came back to win, I just don't know if I can see him wanting to take the time to go through all the training camp and everything. And that's probably the player who's maybe more likely than Fitz to come back than him or Arians. But I think that even if Bruce Arians wants to come back, you have to at least just tell him that it's time to move on. You have to kind of blow up the ship on offense, go out there, use some of that newly freed up cap space to pay some offensive linemen, bring in some guys, see if you can at least acquire some talent on the defense and you're just going to start to kind of rebuild this team at least. And this is a hard process for a lot of Cardinals fans. There's plenty I know who went into this season hoping that this team could have an outside shot at the playoffs, hoping this team may have had a chance to compete. But it's time to just accept this is the fact of where the Cardinals are, um, just kind of roll with the punches for the season and recognize that it's about the future. And Steve Kimes put himself in a place where they're probably going to have to uh, draft a quarterback, if not trade up for a quarterback. And that ultimately is going to determine kind of the future for this team. So uh, that'll be something I know that as fans, we're, we've got probably months and months ahead to talk about evaluating and looking at these quarterbacks and seeing what Arizona might do. Um, even if there's veteran guys who are available, whether it's dispel or anything, the, the team just needs to go out and find a quarterback uh, that's on the rookie contract. You're paying the minimum. You'll be able to spend that money elsewhere. And you could end up seeing this team actually have some hope for the future to make a turnaround like the Rams have made, make a turnaround like the 49ers have the chance to make next year if Jimmy Garoppolo turns out to be good. And I think that's something at least that it's hard to go through the next few months where you're arguing Stanton or Gabbard. It feels like it's 2012 all over again. But the hope is that the grass will be just a little bit greener on the other side uh, because right now it's it, it certainly feels like you're at kind of the – you can't really get too much lower than this after um, after tonight's game of just another letdown from the same areas that you've seen all year. Uh, Johnny, do you have any other last comments you want to make before we kind of head out for tonight? Uh, no, I just, you know, want to again touch on the fact that, you know, I thought the rookies played well, and I thought that that was something that we needed to see uh, midseason to not know what you have in Hassan Reddick yet um, I think is kind of ridiculous that he, you know, I know Dansby was the defensive player of the week, uh, rightfully so, uh, joining the 40-20 club, 40 sacks, 20 interceptions a week ago against San Francisco. But, you know, you need to get Hassan Reddick playing time. You, you touted him as uh, a top, what, five, ten, uh, ten player in this draft. You were going to take him no matter what. Uh, supposedly you are going to pass on Deshaun Watson for him. So we need to see this kid. Uh, play meaningful snaps from here on out, no excuses. And uh, same thing with Buda Baker. So hopefully the tide is turning a little bit with that. Uh, and then I, quickly, I want to touch on the fact that, you know, Robert Kimdichie probably is going to end up as one of these guys that the Cardinals don't know what they have going into the next season based on the fact that, you know, is it immaturity? Is it, you know, injury related? You know, he's looked great back-to-back -back, uh, off seasons in training camp, but just hasn't been able to put it together. Um, I think he had one tackle tonight. He's at right now at best a rotational player, um, but is, is far in a way of not what the Cardinals had hoped for 
taking him in the first round in 2016 to be the eventual heir apparent to Calais Campbell, who, oh, by the way, leads the league in sacks with 11 uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So um, that's a position I'm going to watch closely moving forward. It's why I'm excited about the game for Molson Pierre. I know it's the Seahawks offensive line, but again, looking for silver linings with that unit. But yeah, Kim Dietschy to me is, is a big question mark because right now with Humphreys out, Kim Dietschy, those back-to-back first-round picks, that's going to be tough for Steve Kime to, uh, to sell to his fan base. So that's why it's even more important for Hassan Raddick to play as much as possible. So, but that's all I got. Yep, totally agree with you there. And hopefully we'll be talking about a TJ Logan return at some point this season. We'll see if that gives a special teams boost. But up until then, we'll be checking in after the Texans game. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. Make sure that you do like and subscribe. Our podcast is available on iTunes. Uh, you can download as well as we'll always post it to the Revenge of the Birds website. Uh, you can follow me on Blake Murphy 7 uh, I believe with Twitter now you can actually add up to uh, 50 characters now for your Twitter name, which is a little bit interesting. So I guess you could be um, Johnny Zeffing football if you wanted to now. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I could definitely do that. But yeah, that's great. So yeah, uh, where can they find you on Twitter if they want to uh, follow your work or just have a chat with you, John? It's uh, Johnny's football. So like Johnny football, but Johnny's with an S. Uh, so yeah, no numbers or anything else. Just Johnny's football. Uh, yeah. Give me some followers. I need some more. It's legitimize the thing, man. Yeah, definitely. John, uh, that was part of how we got connected with just some of the awesome draft takes, just some of the Cardinals passion and uh, it's great. So I definitely, if you aren't following him right now, go out there and do that guys. Thank you, Blake. (laughs) As always, I'm Blake Murphy seven and we'll see you guys next week. This has been the bird gang. Blake. Hey, I'm Anil Dash and I'm the host of a new show called function from the Vox media podcast network and glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.